Welcome back to Real Talk with the Pelvic Docs, where we talk all the P's of pelvic health. Pooping, peeing, pain, pleasure, physical activity, and personal development. I'm your host, Dr. Jocelyn Conley, pelvic floor physical therapist and founder of the Vagina Doc. And in this video, we hit part two of healing herbs and shamanic healing with Candace Cook. In part one, we talked about what clinical herbalism and shamanic healing is. And in this episode, we go deeper into shamanic healing and more specifics about how she uses herbs. And she even shares how her favorite, her favorite five herbs for women's health issues. If you've not listened to part one, watch, listen to that first and then be sure to like, subscribe, share the podcast so that you are notified every time we launch a new episode. To get more information about Candice, check out the show notes. It includes how to reach her and a promo code for 20% off of your first session with her. And then be sure to follow us on Instagram at Pelvic Docs Podcast and at the dot vagina doc. Remember our disclaimer, the information shared on the podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be used in substitute of medical diagnosis and treatment. So let's get on with part two of healing herbs and shamanic healing. I changing gears a little bit, but is there like, let's say someone is listening to this episode and they're like, well, that's against my religion. Mm-hmm. Is shamanic healing against religion? That is a very personal thing. In my opinion, shamanic healing is cross-cultural and can be used with any religion, right? It's, there's nothing about shamanic healing that says the, this part of this religion is good and this religion is bad. It, it's a non-religious practice. It's a spiritual practice. But I have had, you know, I have clients in my herbal practice who come from all different religions. And some of them are very clearly like, I don't want to go into that spirit stuff with you. I just want the herbs, you know. <laughs> so some people do feel that way. And I totally respect that. I'm, I'm not here to uh, try to change anyone's mind or pressure them. But if people have questions, I can tell them what I know. I grew up in the Christian church and I have practiced many religions. I love religion. I feel personally that religion is a language through which we communicate with God. And just like there are multiple languages there are multiple religions to help different people communicate with god so i know like in islam um i talked to a muslim friend of mine and she felt like i was communicating with the jinn who are the beings that are created by god but they're kind of like the genie you know the genie in the bottle that's where that came from was the jinn and that we're not supposed to communicate with the jinn according to islam so she thought i was doing that and that's why it was not 
right for her religion. So I can totally see that, you know, mm-hmm. if, if your religion tells you not to communicate with other spirits, then I can see why you would think that this is not right. But I believe from my own worldview that God or the creative impulse or whatever you want to call divinity created all of this and created my brain and my ability to see the things that I'm seeing. So I didn't necessarily ask for it and I'm not using it to hurt anyone. You know, if anything, I am using this work to help people get closer to God as they see God. Right. You know, so it's a totally personal thing. I'm always available to answer those kinds of questions, you know, and I, you know, one of my primary guides is Jesus. So (laughs) I've got, I'm the shamanic healer witch with pictures of Jesus all over my house, you know, (laughs) so I don't know, like it's a, it's just a personal call. So maybe the people out there that like to be close to Jesus should get closer to you. Maybe. They're called. <laughs> so another question that I'm sure a lot of people would have if they say, if say they Google shamanic healing is, how do you know from a phony versus a non, like a true healer versus someone that isn't? Yeah. So especially right now, this kind of work is getting trendy and there are a lot of people out there misappropriating indigenous cultures i'm not claiming to do i'm not claiming to be a lakota shaman or anything like that um i think the way that you can determine is does this person offer me a free 15 minute phone call (laughs) if if a healer is not willing to talk to you first that's probably a good sign to stay away you know if someone doesn't offer it but you want to know, you can send them an email and say, hey, can we just talk for 10 or 15 minutes just to make sure we're a good fit? If someone says no to that or they don't have time for it, then I would probably just turn away and keep searching because for me as a practitioner, I want to have that conversation and make sure that the client's a good fit for me too. You know, I don't, I don't want to work with people who just need to come in and prove me wrong or feel like I have to prove something because that's not what this work is about. I'm here to help people. So I always offer, you know, 15 minutes free to make sure. So that's how you can tell. Use your senses. If somebody's trying to sell you a whole bunch of stuff <laughs> and it's like crappy stuff, you know, that's a that's a good call too. Like just pay attention. Pay attention and don't be easily swept up if there are any red flags if something about a healer doesn't feel right it's probably not right myself included I'm sure there are people who view my website and are like "Mm, nah and I'm like good go find someone who is right for you you know I think for every healer there's a perfect client and for every client there's a perfect healer and if you do the work in looking you'll find that and if you most of us who do this kind of work too If someone's not a good fit for us or we don't think that we can help them, we'll say, you know, let me refer you to someone else. A good practitioner who's in it to help people will do that. We're not, I'm not trying to make all the money off of everyone, you know. I just need to make money to live, but I want people to get what they need. So if I'm not the one to do that, I'm going to send them somewhere else. Like even as a clinical herbalist, If someone comes to me with a condition that I have no experience in, like if they have stage four cancer or something, I'm going to send them to an herbalist or naturopathic doctor that I know can help them. You know, I'm not going to 
take their money knowing I can't I can't help them I have to say that <clears throat> when I was in Sedona I was just happening to look at like the different shamanic healers out there and I'm like the their rates are actually ridiculous are they really? so Candace undercharges that's a fact so I'm just saying that, and and I believe that very much. But uh, like looking at people's rates, like six hundred bucks, oh, God. that is I that I mean that is ridiculous. But anyways, uh, I found like it it was easy to just open up. I mean, I think for me to just say like tell you my story, it wasn't like I felt. I couldn't, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So do you feel energies from the other person that can kind of sense like, oh, I... Have you ever sensed that un been like unsafe or, I, I don't know, any... Have I've been unsafe with the other client? Yeah, or they're just blocking or... Yeah, I've never felt unsafe, but I have felt that some people are afraid. They're not sure if they want to say everything, you know, but that's really rare. I don't know. I must have great bedside manner. I don't know what it is, but for the most part, I'd say like 95% of my clients open up like you did, like right away. And I think it's because they know or can tell right away that I don't doubt them. I'm like, no, your experience is totally valid no matter how crazy and wacky it sounds and no matter what anyone has ever told you I believe your experience is real and if the other person can feel that from you it's so much easier to reveal the things that are weighing you down you know Uh, I do go through a ritual before and after clients to make sure that I'm grounded and protected and Mm -hmm. that if someone were to come who felt unsafe I keep a weapon, you know, like just if if I have to, not a gun, I just keep a knife. But like, if that happened, I feel like I could protect myself from that if I couldn't get them to leave just by asking them to leave, you know, but luckily that's never happened. Yeah, that would be crazy. I never thought of that, (laughs) but wow. Um, Last question that I want to ask because I'm sure since you mentioned the A word, I'm going to, I'm going to bring it up ayahuasca and shamanic healing like what's the difference between doing that and just not and just going through another shamanic healing session without those types of natural herbs so and have you done it psychedelic medicine i've not done ayahuasca yet but it's on my radar. I've done lots of other psychedelics and had experiences with transformative plant medicines and even some animal medicines um, like combo which comes from a south american frog and that's just like a purely detoxifying warrior medicine you don't trip or anything like that but i you know just to be completely transparent i regularly use psilocybin for deep work Um, I have a group of people who use it regularly and so we support each other in that and hold space so that when somebody needs to process something really big it's there and I also think that microdosing with psilocybin or even LSD is a really great tool to help you overcome obstacles in 
obstacles in your thinking, you know, because that's a big thing. If we can change our minds, we can change pretty much anything. If we can change our core beliefs, we can change our entire lives. I found that psychedelics help help us to blast through the boulders in our minds, you know, in a way that is different from the shamanic work, but I think they're they're just different parts of the same bigger whole. So I've never done ayahuasca, so I can't really speak to that. Um, but what I know from people who've done it is that it's a very deep and visceral experience with, in some ways it's similar to the shamanic healing, and it is shamanic medicine, with beings and deities, and it's just like a cathartic releasing well reliving and releasing of trauma you know I've only met one person who said oh it was like a great trip and I'm like you probably didn't either you either didn't do ayahuasca or you probably should not have you know uh because I've never heard anyone say it was a great trip I've heard people say it was a great transformative experience you know but the plant medicines the psychedelics they're they're just different um What's psilocybin? Psil- oh, sorry. Psilocybin is magic mushrooms. Like, is that shrooms or? Shrooms. Yeah, shrooms. Okay. <laughs> I haven't called it shrooms since I was like 20 years old, <laughs> which is a long time ago. So I'm just used to calling it psilocybin. Psilocybin is the Latin name. It's psilocybin cubensis. Huh. Yeah. It sounds classier. I guess it does. I guess it does than shrooms, magic mushrooms. So I would love to keep you on this and keep asking you questions, but I'll let you and move on with your Friday evening. This uh, is a great way to spend a Friday evening. Oh, well, um, I agree. Yeah. I'm so glad that you say that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, if, if people that are listening, a lot of people have shared a lot of just, I mean, really hard stuff, a lot of trauma and a lot of just things that have happened that they had no control and it's still affecting their life. Where do you suggest they start? If this even like perks their ear, like what would you, where should they start? Should they try to find someone? Should they, what do they do? And do they start with herbs? They start. Good question. You ask good questions. I like it. Um, definitely, I think if people feel resonance with anything that I've said, then definitely go on a journey and see if you can find someone to work with. You know, that's a working with a shamanic practitioner or clinical herbalist for trauma is it's better than just doing it on your own because we're social creatures. We are designed, I believe designed or I don't know, we've evolved to live in community. And so we really in order to do deep, hard work and even to just live a good life, we require the support of other humans, you know? So journeying into the depths of your soul to do trauma work or shadow work or to heal parts of you that have been violated, it's not really safe from a mental health perspective to do that alone, especially in the beginning. You know, there are definitely exercises and things you can do to keep that work going on your own but it's really important to have a support system in place mental or psychotic breaks are normal you know but you want to have that psychotic break if you're going to have one 
in the company of someone who can help you integrate it. So that's another thing that I believe is that when we, when people become schizophrenic or um, realize they're bipolar or have any kind of psychosis, a lot of times that person is actually a healer who came to this earth with a specific purpose and a message of healing and has been so shut down and blocked by society and family or force-fed Ritalin and force-fed antidepressants, even force-fed Lipitor, you know, like anything. All of that shuts down our sensation. It shuts down our perception. And we feel crazy because we're being told that we're crazy, you know. So I love working with people with those kinds of issues because I can help them see, like, no, you actually have a gift, (sighs) You know, like if you could just spin this, like if you just think about it differently, can't you see how this is an awesome thing that other people would like to have? And in lots of cultures in Africa, in South America and many indigenous cultures here, when people had those psychotic episodes, their entire village would come together and be like, we have a new shaman or we have a new whatever they called their healers. You know, like this person can speak to the gods. The rest of us are just normal. We can't speak to the gods, you know? So it's really, it only becomes a problem when you don't have the support system in place and when your belief is telling you you're so different from everyone else or when it's so hard to live that you completely dissociate and you're not even in touch. You're like in several different realities at once, you know? Oh, I think I went way off the tangent. But yeah, okay, definitely seek support. You know, that's what I would do. One last you question. You can ask as many as you want. I'm not in a hurry. So when you were doing the, the healing session with me the first time, and even the second time, um, you were doing your thing and I was just laying there, but I had been already practicing my own. I was in, I mean, I am way beginner and I can't even do it right now. I'm in like a block, but of uh, just sinking into, I don't know, in a meditative state. That was me. But if this was a year ago, I would have been like, what is she doing? Blah, 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 in my head. Mm -hmm. So does it matter where a person is? Like, does that person need to be able to settle, like, quiet down and just get into a meditative state? Or can they just be there just, like, spiraling in their own head? Mm -hmm. So I usually will encourage clients to just take it easy while I'm doing the work. There's nothing there's nothing for you to worry about or think about. Uh, I think that it's okay if a person's mind gets preoccupied, but they're just going to feel better if they allow all that preoccupation to step aside. So if I have a client who's kind of uptight about it or doesn't know how to relax, I'm like, all you have to think about is the drumbeat. Just think about the drum. I should have brought my drum. The drum. Ah, Why didn't we think about that? Darn it. Maybe I can record it and you can edit this and put yeah. it in there. Um, so I'll get people, just think about the drum beat. Because the drum is going to put everyone into that theta state if they allow it to happen. The only way that you won't go into the theta state is if you're consciously trying not to. Or if you're like, I'm not going to let go of this thought that keeps happening. You know, if you're hanging on to the normal brainwave state 
then you won't go into the theta state. But once people get into that and they just enjoy the drum, then they're like, oh. So I have clients where the first time they're maybe a little bit more neurotic about it, but then by the second and third time, as soon as that drum starts, they're out. Sometimes they're snoring. What? Yeah. I've had people snoring during the sessions, and I'm like, yes. And wow. I've noticed that when people go into that, that it's easier for me to retrieve information and bring it back to them. But it's not impossible, and I've never struggled, even if they're in that preoccupied mental state. It's just, it just seems a little bit easier for them to receive whatever I've brought back when they're allowing themselves to just chill out with the drum. And it is, you do feel kind of high, you know? Oh, I mean, yes. did you feel that? Yes. So whenever I got up off the couch, what did I say? I said, like, I felt like I was... Yeah, you said something. I don't remember it, what it was. And this happens when I when I can... It must be, like, the change in the brain state that mm. I, I'm getting into. Because after a myofascial unwinding session, like, that's what I feel like. But I got up, I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's not disoriented, but it felt gr- good. Mm-hmm. It felt like I was totally in control, but I was definitely... Yeah. It's kind of similar to acupuncture. Like, when I'm on the receiving end of the shamanic work, the state that I go into mentally is like when I've been in acupuncture or in a really deep meditation. You feel like you're not asleep, but you're not awake, you know? You're just like, whoa, this is great. I'm going to sleep really well afterwards. (laughs) You know, it's like that. Yeah. It's that kind of high feeling that's... High in a good way, high, not high in a, I'm paranoid or I have no control because you still have complete control. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing too is I, I feel like this is important to disclaim, but I can't manipulate anyone's soul or do anything in the underworld that I'm not given permission to do. And so sometimes if I need to do an extraction or a removal or something, I'll ask the person like, hey do you mind if I do that, undo this? Because it is going to create a shift, you know? Um, but I can't, like, harm anyone under there, so. I know that people are going to ask this or wonder this. When you say extraction and, um, like, a curse, can you describe it? Because I think even me in the beginning, I'm like, what do you mean a curse? Is it, like, this person, like, sat in their bedroom and or stabbed a voodoo doll? Yeah. Or is it something, like, It could be that. So the voodoo doll thing is very real. You know, that definitely happens. Um, Curses come in many forms. So it could just be someone, you know, swear words are called curse words for a reason because you're putting all that energy into your words and using it against someone. So our words really can be weapons. Our thoughts can be weapons too. So if you've ever heard of like a psychic attack, you know, that's kind of a buzzword around I was psychically attacked or whatever but it's true so you can actually if you set your intention to hurt someone or to cause them distress or if you pray for bad things to happen to someone all that is cursing but it could be more of an elaborate ritual like I am cursing this person for something else to happen you know so when I first saw a shamanic healer um, it turned out that there was a curse on the 
female lineage line from my mom's side of the family back 600 years ago. And she was able to see where, like, one of my great-grandmothers from all these years ago had an affair with a married man and had a child. And the other woman, like, the woman who was married to this man cursed her and her entire lineage line. So the shamanic healer, um, she had to unravel that curse. So she went back, and I was like, what does this mean? You know, she went back and undid it. So I don't even know how she did it. But I knew she was telling the truth, even though this was my first time experiencing anything like that, because she asked me very specific questions about the females and the relationships between women in my mom's family. And I was like, yeah, that... It is like that. It is like, oh, yeah, all the women in my family have experienced this thing that you're talking about. And she said it was because of that. So when you unravel the curse, it doesn't undo the things that have happened to you in the past. Mm -hmm. But it takes the energy out and it creates forward healing. So it stops it, right? I do that kind of work pretty regularly. The extraction is as we go about the world... We're constantly picking up other people's energy, whether we're empaths or not. And I think that I believe that all people are naturally empaths. And it's another one of those things that we've been taught to shut down. Like, oh, if I feel your feelings, then I'm going to be susceptible. But really, we are supposed to feel each other's feelings so that we can interpret how to help them and where they are. Like another sign of communal living that we're just completely out of touch with. So... You go around the world, and like I was saying earlier, if you're stuck in traffic and someone's got road rage and they're flipping you off and screaming and cutting you off, they're projecting negative energy onto you. They're projecting, they're traumatized too, so we have to remember that, that when people violate other people, um, they're also traumatized. People wouldn't do that if they weren't traumatized. So they're losing a part of their soul and projecting it onto you. So that could be something that you have as an attachment. We also pick up just weird little spiritual energies all the time. We're kind of spongy and things are just sticking to us constantly. Sometimes we can be possessed, you know, like another entity decides it wants to inhabit our body. Is this like exorcism? Mm -hmm. Like the movie? I mean, I've never seen anything as crazy as that. I don't know if it gets that crazy, but it could, you know, I, th- I think, I think it could. I've never seen it. I hope I never do unless I really need to help that person. But <laughs> did you knock on the wall? Just in case. <laughs> Knocking on wood. Um, so yeah, extractions and deep possessions are removing those entities. It can also be cutting cords. So we're having this conversation and we've met before, so we have lots of different cords connecting us energetically. There are cords connecting us to pretty much everyone. But if someone traumatizes us or if we break up with someone and have a really terrible experience with it or um, if someone dies, you know, we can still have cords connected to them that we need to let go of so that we can move on. So cord cutting is another form of extraction where it's like, okay, I know I can't cut every cord with you because we're all humans and have these cords, but I don't need to have 
I don't need to have this cord of being in love or needing you to be alive. You know, I need to cut those so that I can go forward. And it's really, really freeing. It's very liberating. And a lot of times when I do that kind of work, people are like, I feel like a weight is gone. And it's because it is, you know, I've taken something out that was inhabiting you that shouldn't be, you know? So the extractions are really common. I mean, almost every person needs to be cleared. And I, I do the clearing with, I use a lot of sage, um, different herbs that I use for smudging and clearing. And a lot of it is also in the underworld. I've never done, I don't think I've done an extraction in the upper world, but definitely in the underworld. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know, we're all over the place. Speaking to that, I feel like, so the time that I saw you last and now, oh my gosh, I mean, I just feel like so much has happens, but you cut some cords and I can tell that, uh, like choices or like where I'm going next, the language that I used, let's say a month ago of how I spoke about it with respect to, you know, who is on my, like my support team Whole, a whole different language. I'm like, everyone's supporting me. I just need to do it. Mm-hmm. They keep asking versus like the the doubt. Yeah. And it's automatic. It's like I know that, I, yeah, it's pretty wild. So I can, I can t- attest for that for sure. Yeah. All right. I know you have – this is your Friday night. One more thing. <laughs> I'm really good, though. I'm really good. You don't need to worry. I, it's not like I don't drink, so you're, I'm not, like, going to the bar after this. You're bringing up things <laughs> that I'm like, oh, my gosh. Got to ask. It wasn't the most longer party. <laughs> Seriously. So um, I was in Sedona for a week. and oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I was – I just got back. This is my full week back, but I got back last – Friday and the first two days I was treating side by side with John Barnes like the guy mm-hmm. and um and I was treated by him Monday and Tuesday and then Wednesday was like a group unwinding session so lots of energy in a room and then Friday I was treated for an hour I I bumped up like we're we were only like scheduled for 30 minutes we can bump it up so when I was, well, with John, it was just, like, telepathic communication. Mm. It's kind of weird. Like, we didn't have to communicate directly to communicate. Cool. And then second thing, when he treated me, so I have had a lot of physical trauma to up here, like, from my from my chest up, solar plexus and up, and, and emotional trauma just since I'm, I've never, I don't remember not feeling like my heart rate was a hundred plus beats per minute and I'm super fit. So my heart rate should be like 55, Mm -hmm. but it resting, it was like 80 and it always felt like my heart was racing and that there was a stone on it. So I told him I'm, I'm I, I had a bad fall down the stairs and then a couple of things like that I don't know how I'm alive from. But um, so when he treated me, I couldn't, it was fragmented things that were popping up as I was unwinding and he was doing the structural work. And I, I can't tell you what it was because it didn't make sense, but it was like either I was felt like I was being dragged in the street 
like by a rope, like being dragged, or I was hanged. But it was a lot of throat and neck and ro- like rope and uh, betray. The, the, I only can say betrayal things. I can't even put it together. There's no story. It's just fragments. And um, I don't know if I was like what I was being punished for. It didn't seem it was nothing that I've ever experienced in my in my life. But uh after that, then it was like a bunch of seizure activity. It was like a lot of seizure activity. And um, I haven't recovered from it since then. I have like, so I will say physically, I n- no longer, it's like he picked a stone off my chest. Wow. It was from a physical standpoint, I feel amazing. I mean, night and day. Mm-hmm. But... I can tap in like when I'm treating people now, I still can tap in almost instantly. It doesn't even matter if they're present or not versus before if they were, it was harder to tap in and just be with them if they were not there, like they were dissociated in some way. But for me before, I was able to tap into myself very easily, like close my eyes and I can just focus and just be with myself. And now I'm struggling again. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, and I, it's been since then. And I would think that since Sedona, I'd be more in tune with myself, but it's, I'm more in tune with others, but like not myself at all. Mm-hmm. So people say like when you get into the MFR work, it's there's two types of people there's the people where the person that it's just too much and they bail and then they like say like this stuff is you know doesn't work it's it's bs and then there's the people that go in it and like myself and just go all in and it's just like a year of kind of or years of just kind of chaos personal chaos and integration and all of that but I mean, what the heck? Why? What is the he- Does this sound like a healing crisis? Yes. And reorganization? Uh-huh. And I've had such great, like, when I'm treated, I am feel great and I can bounce back. But this was a whole different experience. And the fact, like, it was so fragmented. There was no story, just fragmented. And there was so symbolic and violent. Mm-hmm. Like, I... I was, I didn't want to talk. I didn't, I didn't know what to do after. It was like a lot. It it was so strange. Yeah. So body work, especially that myofascial body work, it really stirs shit up, you know, but in a good way. Yeah. And in a good way because you're getting to the core. Like my, my dear friend Natalia is always saying it's, it's in the tissues, you know, like the tissues of your body are the last to let go. So when you're getting it worked out that way, it's like it's hanging on. So yeah. those traumatic memories, they're probably cellular memories of something that's happened to you in a past life. You know, if you believe that. If if there aren't past lives, I have no idea. I have no answer. You know, that's just an easy way for me to understand it. But... I believe our cells and our genetic material, it, it 
carries on from past lives too. Like our DNA for some reason, I don't know. I don't get the whole matrix of it all, but you're releasing that stuff on a really deep level, you know? So it's creating an opportunity for uh, waking up to it. It can be unsafe if you stay in that trauma space, like the memories or the fragments, those little pieces that you're seeing, you know, it would be easy to ruminate on that. Because I know if I had that experience, I would be like, I need to figure out what this is, you know? So I'll probably, maybe I'll do a little journey for you when I get home and see if I can tap into that and clear it for you. Um, Because I do think that if it helped you to sink into your practice with other people, there's some relationship there, right? So why is it that these fragmented traumatic memories from something not even of this lifetime helped you connect more with other people, but took you out of your own state of presence, you know? So that's something I think you should think about, like what's the connection there? And maybe look into a past life situation. Maybe you were a healer. Maybe you were being punished for that. And maybe whatever you were doing was really, really good for the people you were working with, but the powers and control of everything were threatened by it, and so they punished you for it. So that takes you immediately out of your own experience. And it's like, oh, I can do all this stuff for other people, but for me, not so much, you know? I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. totally. So I would recommend that you do a ritual clearing bath, you know, with like mugwort, chaparral, Epsom salt, sea salt, you know, whatever you can do. Just do a ritual bath and set your intention of, I am letting this shit go. I'll have to document that and post that on my Facebook group. That sounds fun. <laughs> but yes, I kind of felt like, it was either, and I was not trying, the important thing is, if you're listening to this, and I tell you this if you're my patient, like, don't try to figure it out. Just keep moving through it. But I think I recall, and this is something else I should have journaled about, that it was either I was, like, I was married and my husband had tur- turned me in mm. as a witch or something. Yeah. Or it was because of I was, it was a healing. It was, I was being punished for something, Mm -hmm. but I was doing good, which was, and John always says like, no matter what, you'll always be re-exposed to the lessons, like somehow if you didn't learn it then. And so I would joke and like throughout life, I would joke all the time. I'm like, yeah, I'm a witch. I... Yeah, you are. And um, and it would I. This is me just joking and being like, like I can't get water on me, I'll melt. <laughs> but like different things that you know, when people would comment, I would I would say, yeah, it's because I'm a witch. And um, are you? And that's what I'm wondering. Like, it was that memory that? And obviously, I wasn't putting curses on people, but it was just doing the work of whatever. I I don't know. I don't claim to to do anything other than just be with a person and use my brain and hands, but that's and empower them to learn. But it was interesting, but oh my gosh, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. So shotgun questions. 
And I, di- I didn't warn you about this. They're not Shotgun that hard. Question. Five favorite herbs. Ooh. Just for like daily herbs that people should use. And- okay. I love red raspberry leaf. And I think probably your patients and audience will appreciate this. Red raspberry is a really mineral rich, nutrient dense uh, herb from the raspberry plant. It's the leaf and the same raspberries that we eat it is one of the most incredible herbs for women so it strengthens and tonifies the uterus and on an energetic level even if there is no physical womb there anymore it helps to heal that area the womb space so it can help with prolapse it can help with you know postpartum um just like tonicity and it can help with menstrual cramps. It, it's high in calcium. You know, it's great in so many ways. So that's a go-to for me. Gotta get some. For that. sure. <laughs> Red raspberry leaf, one of my favorites. Um, calendula, I really adore. Calendula is a yellow flower. It's in the marigold family. And it can be used interna- internally and topically. So as an oil... Uh, calendula oil heals the skin it's incredible for rashes eczema burns um, pretty much any skin condition that's not like a deep bleeding gash I'll use it for but internally it helps to help like stomach indigestion type stuff it's very soothing and healing to the mucous membranes on the inside it helps to heal the skin on the inside so that's one I use often. It's an antifungal also and a mild bitter. So it helps to stimulate the liver and kill yeast, uh, candida. It's amazing. Like herbs are so amazing. What other herbs do I like? Lemon balm is so good. Have you had lemon balm? No. I've oh. only had the St. John's Ward. Oh, the, the, really? And a few, my friend that I was in Sedona with, she exposed me to some. Okay. Like I put them in my for my feet and that okay the st john's wort oil is amazing um so lemon balm is used for so many different things it's great for kids it's great for all ages it can help with adhd it can help with sleep it's a great nervous system medicine so i'll give it to people who have depression or anxiety um people who just need to be lifted up a little bit it it just brings you out like if someone had severe depression I wouldn't give them just lemon balm but if it's a kid with depression if it's someone who has depression and also a hard time sleeping or a hard time focusing would definitely be part of their formula it's also really a, an amazing um, antiviral so I'll use it frequently for mono any of the herpes viruses chicken pox shingles um HPV, any any of those viruses, I'll get people on a lemon balm. What else do I love? Oh, rose. Man, rose is one of my favorites. And it's just regular old rose. But it's so amazing, especially for women. It's another one that I feel like really helps women connect with themselves and find joy in themselves. So I'll frequently put it in depression formulas, grief, heartache, um, I'll put it into pregnancy formulas because a lot of times, like with red raspberry, goes really, really well. Actually, all of them that I've mentioned so far would go really well in a tea together. <laughs> um, but 
Rose, it's one of my favorites for women and the feminine spirit and just helping you reconnect to your own joy and to to love yourself. You know, Rose is like a love plant. And I know that seems so cliche, but it really, really is. And then let's go for something that's yucky. Yucky tasting that I love. Gentian. Gentian root. Um, gentian is one of the most bitter herbs in the world. It can be detected at one part per million. So it's really, really bitter. But most things that are bitter, they stimulate our entire digestive process. So when you take gentian, it's going to help your saliva. There's going to be more enzymes in your saliva. So you start breaking your food down. It's going to prep your esophagus for swallowing. It increases the hydrochloric acid and, and other enzymes in your gut, in your stomach. And then it initiates peristalsis of the all of your digestive tract. So it gets your intestines ready to move. But it also helps to cleanse the liver. So bitters, they help to stimulate the liver to, to release toxins, you know, because the liver processes every single thing that we eat. And it gets a lot of buildup, especially if we're eating crap. So... Anytime people have digestive issues or skin issues, like a lot of times when people have acne or cysts or boils regularly, it's a sign that something's going on with their liver. So gentian is a great one. On an energetic level, I don't know why I said it that way, but on a level, gentian also helps you to tap into your gut instincts. So our entire digestive tract has its own nervous system, right? And this is something that's Chinese medicine, traditional Chinese medicine has always said that, that all healing has to start in the gut. Western medicine and Western herbalism is finally coming around over the last 10 years. Like, yeah, we probably should make sure that our gut is functioning well. So gentian, it stimulates the gut and it supports the nervous system that's in our gut so that you can actually learn to trust your instincts. So I give it to people who doubt themselves, people who say, I don't know how to tap into my intuition, people who just just don't trust their own ability to make the right decisions for them, or people who feel like they're constantly turning their power over to other people. I'll give them gentian. So that's five. Wow. Well... (laughs) I know. I'm gonna write really those down. It. I get really into it. When is the next workshop? Oh. So this Thursday, this coming Thursday, I'm teaching a workshop on overcoming obstacles. So actually, Gentian would be a great one to have that. Saturday, I'm doing a plant walk in Tolleson, and Sunday, I'm doing a full moon gathering. So got a lot. I'm supposed to teach a class on sex and aphrodisiacs on Saturday, but so far no one has signed up. So if any of you guys want to come, I'll give you $10 off. <laughs> that's a lot. And that's so many things. Oh, yeah. I'm a very busy girl. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, how can what is the best way someone can connect with you if they want to learn more or schedule a call with you? So you can email me at rebelherbal at gmail.com. It's R-E-B-E-L-H-E-R-B-A-L at gmail.com. Or you can look at my website. There's not a whole lot on my website right now. I'm kind of in this restructuring 
rededicating phase with the website, but it's rebelherbal.com, and you can schedule a 15-minute consultation that way. Um, but you can just email me, and we can we can go that way, too. Sweet. Are you on social media? I'm not. I'm not on any social media, but I have a newsletter, and I have an email address and a phone. <laughs> I don't know. I I got off social media about a year ago, and it's really working for me. So I don't have any problems with social media, but it's been good for my life because I'm so busy. I think the social media was taking too much of my time. I have an ad- addictive personality, so I'm like, oh wow, I've been on Facebook for four hours and haven't gotten anything done. So I made a choice to, uh, you know, social media anonymous it. I am jealous because social media is a second job. Mm-hmm. I haven't posted on Instagram in two days, and it's like I'm dead to the world. Mm-hmm. And it's so and annoying. The algorithm is going to get you. I know. Ugh. <laughs> Anyways. Well, Candace, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I am hoping that a lot of people that are listening will find a – I mean – I hope that you are bombarded with calls. It's great that you're not licensed because you're not restricted by states, correct? Right. And I really hope that people find hope in another an, in way in healing things from the past So and tapping into the power. I know I've really benefited from meeting with you and having you in my life. So if you're listening consider you know maybe calling candace (laughs) did we get real tonight oh yeah we got totally real thank you thank you so much for having me on the show this has been really really fun and i would love to connect with anybody who feels like you know they resonated um just send me an email and let me know where you heard about me so i can give you a deal (laughs) You guys heard her. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Until next time on Real Talk with Pelvic Docs.